Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to If We Can Just Say. I am your host, Stephen Ogle, and with me is always my lovely wife and co-host, Jessica Carter Ogle. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Yeah. All right. Pass the sappy stuff. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent. Wonderful. I have... Uh, it, you, jumping into it a little bit. Uh, we Look get, my no hands. We get in our lives a time in which sometimes we find a musical album that is exactly what we need exactly the right time. A few months ago yes. for me, it was uh, Jordan Davis's uh, Bluebird Days. And I couldn't stop listening to that album. It was It's still a really good album. I listened to it even when I mowed the lawn this week. But yeah. the album this week has been Ben Burgess, Tears the Size of Texas. We both are sort of obsessed with an album right now at the yes. same time, which very rarely happens to me. You even commented to me the other day and yeah. were like, you're still listening to this album? I think for at least three straight weeks, I have been listening to Morgan Wade's Reckless. You sent me, I want to say, what album, what song did you send me? Did you send me Northern Air? Northern Air, yeah. Or Wilder Days? I think, I, first well, first song on the album, I think. You sent me Wilder Days, which is the first song on okay. the album. And so he'll send me songs a lot. And I have a, we have playlists for each other for each year. And we put all the songs that they that we sent each other for yeah. that year in the playlist. So I had opened it up to add it to the playlist and I had accidentally played the song too. So I paused it. So when that happens, sometimes when I drive home from work and my music comes on, it's just whatever album he had sent me. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. <laughs> and I just fell into this album and she's got a song called mend and Northern Air and Take Me Away, like all of them. I love all of them. This yeah. album is just, it's like raw. The sound is like beautiful. Her singing is beautiful. And like, yeah. she's got tons of tattoos. And she has one song with a lyric that's like, you knew me before I had all these tattoos and you knew my skin. Like, it's just raw. It's so good. I've been listening to it for like three weeks. The only time I stopped listening to it was when he told me what some album anniversary albums were and asked me to listen to a couple things. And then I went right back to Morgan Wade. So I highly rec recommend Reckless. Yeah, that's a that's a good album. I love her voice. Her voice yeah. is really fantastic yeah i never would have heard of i like she is in a, one of kit Moore. what song uh if you were if i if i was your lover she was in the music video with him and everyone was like what in the world she's a a singer in her own right why is she not on the song so they re-released a version with her she's not on as heavily but she's there it's like more of a duet um and that's the only time I ever had heard of her. And then I think Steven probably dove into it to listen to some of her stuff. Yeah, I, I clearly dove into it from Kip Moore for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but she's great. I highly recommend. Ben Burgess, on the yeah. other hand, uh, I saw his album cover. His album cover says, Tears the Size of Texas, classic cowboy songs and two murder ballads. And I went, all right, I'm in. That would have pulled me in. It looks like a it looks like a cover that would be for a vinyl, um, so I I put it on. Yeah, I, I I was like I gotta hear this and I love it. Yeah, it's Western country. He's from East Dallas, but it has a sound to it that reminds me of listening to um, Waylon Jennings early. Willie Nelson style music. It's yeah. got that Western country feel yeah. to it. That real like grumble in the throat yeah. sound. Um my favorite song right now is High Road and Kill a Man. Those You've been those two to songs. To go to show you how much he <laughs> listens to this, the last two mornings I've woken up with Tears the Size of Texas in my head and I've never listened to this album of my own volition. It but it, all that to say it is very good. Yeah, it's very good. And and I've mentioned in the past that uh, uh, several of these uh, country singers that we listen to, uh, Kip Moore, Luke Combs, like they lost their dads when they yeah. were young. Ben Burgess is another guy that lost his dad when he was young. Interesting. It It's crazy. It's crazy how I 
drift to these people, find them, and then find out that they lost their dad young, like I lost my dad young. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, trauma and hard experiences are what breed life experiences. And when you're a writer, and Brent Burgess is a songwriter, he's not just a singer. He's written for many people. Yeah. You write what you know. Like, I've always wanted to write that's in the back of my head something I've always wanted to do I've sat down to do it a few times I have short stories I have all this and I find that the best content is when you write what you know and it doesn't mean that you know everything but if there's a pocket of you being able to relate and then the song or story grows from there it's so much more impactful and for you you like impactful music, whether it's metal, whether it's country, whether it's rock, whether it's anything. Words, and you're a lyricist. Yeah. And those words affect you. And the more life experience you have, whether good or bad or sad, it gives you that. So it's sort of like a double, it's a catch-22. It's a double-edged sword. What do you have to go through to be able to write these songs that touch people? Yeah. Um, his... His songwriter, like he's written for Morgan Wade, or not Morgan Wade, sorry, Morgan Wallen, which I've made that mistake several yeah. times this week. Um, if you guys know the song Beer Glasses, Whiskey Glasses, yep. which is like one of my favorite ones, and I sing it at the top of my lungs when it comes on, and Stephen and Sophia love that. He wrote that. Yeah, he wrote that. He does it at his, at his shows. Yeah. Um, he, said, I, he said he's going to, or he didn't say, I, I saw it. He's opening for Kip Moore in Indiana and in Kentucky oh, towards I'm, the end of the year. And I'm, I'm waiting. Like, I am waiting for him to come up to me one day when I'm in the kitchen minding my own business and be like, babe, so uh, just hear me out. I was just thinking, maybe, maybe. He's going to be in Louisville. We both have been wanting to go to Louisville. I don't know why we wouldn't go. Or Louisville, if That's you want a, to call it Louisville. It would just depend on being vacation time, I guess. Yeah, but it's... it's I mean, we could make it in, work. It's in November. He's the only opener. He'll get 40 minutes probably because Kip Moore only brings one opener with him and he always gives him the full set. So, TBD on this, y'all, because I've just so, been waiting for it, and I can see in his eyes right now. I, I man, this guy. I've I've seen. I did some YouTube stuff and looked at some of his live stuff. Um, like nothing. I didn't see anything with a full band outside of like some recording uh, live sessions mm -hmm. that he did, which was really cool. But uh, he's man, he's got a lot of talent. He's I think it's cool. Like you said, the album pulled you in the album cover yep. so like if you guys saw when our power went out i made a post we were listening to blues magoo's electric comic book yep and that's my second blues magoo's album i also have blues magoo psychedelic lollipop <laughs> why did i buy those albums because i'm a giant blues magoo's fan i never heard of blues magoo's in my whole life but i saw blues magoo's psychedelic lollipop and those guys like standing there from the 70s looking all like and i was like oh this is for jessica right here I would have never stumbled upon them had I not, like, had the album not, like, Electric Lollipop. That's right up my alley. Yeah. Electric, com or Psychedelic Lollipop, Electric Comic Book. Come one, come all. I've come to my collection. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I actually enjoyed them, all the better. Yeah. So, so uh, not working out music, though. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's a little bit slower music, so it's not something that, that we're listening to when we work out. We generally are listening to something like, uh, you know, heavier dubstep and stuff like that but if you're just uh moving around your house driving down the road you know cleaning around your house stuff like that throw on ben burgess yeah it's good it's good stuff speaking of working out speaking of working out i literally can barely move today <laughs> i i am sitting here on the couch with my feet up on my amazing ottoman poof my mom got us for christmas and i can like my arms hurt I'm, yeah. They're just sitting here. We uh, we're getting back into it, y'all. I man, uh, I think exercise over overall umbrella exercise and mental health. Yeah, in this house, like for me, I'll just speak a little bit because for me, running running has been therapy. Running is therapy for me. It has always been ever since I started working out. Um, I went through a phase in my life where I was very overweight, very unhappy with myself, very pretending to be okay when I wasn't. Um, and I had kind of a situation, you know, where I was told, okay, like if you keep down this path, this is what's happening. And I was like, F that. 
and I changed, you know, I made a change in my life. But the way I look, the way I feel, my weight, all that stuff is going to forever be a struggle for me. It's going to forever be something in my life because I've struggled with it and because I struggle with it. You know, I've even just in my relationship with Steven, I've been up and down and different. And it's not just about how I look. It's how I feel. It's how I feel about myself. It's how I feel in my own skin. It's how I feel mentally and how that affects you. And so for me, running has always been that release. And I have wavered over this summer with that. And I would say in the last year, probably I, I'm not where I want to be and I can see the effects of that. But what's also amazing is the quick, the quick way your brain can change when you flip it. In the last couple weeks, I have been consistently running every day before work. And that has started to build up my, my mental fortitude, my physical, and I have been wanting to do weights. And I like to do it with my husband. I just do. I don't like to do it by myself. I'll do it by myself every now and again if our lines, if our days don't align. But it's such a healthy, good for you thing. And I like to do it together. I like he's got a lot of knowledge on how to do it and he can, you know, he's the one that's always showed me how to do everything. I've done little weight stuff before, but like legitimately having our weight room, I like to do it with him. So yeah, there's part of me that probably would have been doing weights all along if he wanted to, but he didn't. And so I didn't because I wanted to spend time with him. That's part of what weights is for me. It's him and I doing something like super healthy together and not just, going out and drinking or checking out a brewery or do sitting on the couch, but us like act being active and being supportive of each other, which is like what all that's tied to for me. So although I feel like my body was just like put through a pasta maker press and I'm like a noodle mentally, I'm great. I woke up this morning and I was like, I think I look, I look good. It's been a week. <laughs> yeah. Nothing has changed. Nothing has physically changed on my person in this week. But mentally, I'm doing good things for myself. I'm eating healthy. I am eating healthy. I am working out. And I'm mentally stronger and healthier for it in one week. Yeah. To where I woke up this morning and was like, hey, girl. As I walked past the full-length mirror to go to the bathroom this morning. <laughs> and it's it's not just a – it's just all of it. You know, working out for me is – it's a love-hate relationship. I started working out um, going back to 2016 when my ex-wife and I separated uh, in July and August of that year. I had just graduated college. like oh, got, yeah. okay. I had just got my associates, and I knew when I was going to college, man— I had no time. I was working 45, 50 hours a week, plus going to college, three, going to class three nights a week, I had no time. I was spending 15, 20 hours on the weekend doing all my labs and stuff because I was doing IT stuff. Not it, everything it is can not be a priority. It is, you... it is not easy. Mm -hmm. my, I was going to a Tim Hortons drive-thru and getting, you know, food on my way, getting me some sort of like, you know, bacon egg croissant thing, bacon egg and cheese croissant thing, getting a Snickers from the snack deal halfway through my class so I'm eating at like 8, 8 o'clock at night. I, not healthy. Mm -hmm. Was I putting on pounds? Not really, because I'm all, I've always been a slim guy. But it wasn't healthy for me, mentally or physically. But I just knew I had to get through this. And when I got done, I was going to go to the gym, and that was the plan. Well, everything hit the fan at the end of July, beginning of August, and finally at about October, when I started to, I don't know. I stood. I remember standing in front of the mirror and looking at myself after I got out of the shower once, and. I, I was, I, depression was coming hard, like not even, not even a joke. It was coming hard and, and things had started to change because I got new information about what was going on. And, uh, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I will not go down with the ship. It's not happening. Yep. I don't know what I have to do, but I will not go down with the ship. And, uh, so I went to the closest gym to me and I walked in on a Sunday of all days and I met Anthony. Anthony was at the front desk. One of the kindest, coolest people I've ever met in my life. Dude could light up. Dude could light up a completely dark arena. 
Like the dude is just the one of the brightest spots, man. If you if you ever meet uh, somebody like Anthony, I I hope you stick to him like glue because that's what I did. Well, that was timing too. You needed that yeah. in that moment. And I had no idea what I was doing. I signed up for something I probably couldn't afford. I did it anyways, and I trained with him for nine months, two days a week. And he taught me form, form and function. Everything I did, form and function, no wasted motion, making sure that everything I did was correct because he told stuck. He, he told me that people get injured in their form and function, not in not in picking up the weight, but picking up the weight the wrong way, not holding your body the right way. Like and he man, he just helped me with all kinds of things, like posture, walking downstairs. I figured out I was walking downstairs wrong for thirty something years. I walked down in an angle with my feet in an angle instead of like straight forward. Like I was sitting I would sit on a couch and I would lean over on my right side hip and I wouldn't sit, you know, flat. Yeah. So he just helped me with all kinds of stuff. He was like, oh man, your posture's horrible. Like you're slouching, all this kind of stuff. So long story short, like that was October of 16. And at a certain point in the beginning of, I don't know, somewhere around April of 17, Adam my cousin Adam in Texas gave me a meal plan and then it changed. That's when everything started to change for me. And I worked out hard when I met Jess in 19. Uh, we, we both were heavy into fitness at that point, but I had just injured myself. And I, so I spent my time going to the gym, going to physical therapy and getting rehab because I had injured I had a golf ball size knot behind my right shoulder blade that literally was so painful. Yeah. And it took months. Yeah, the whole first start of us dating, I you were doing that. I um had just started my full-time job at U of M. Well, not t- November before that. We met in April. But that's coming just off of my breakup and stuff when I was back at my parents. And when I was looking for jobs and in grad school, I was running probably on the treadmill about 45 minutes a morning at between 7 and 8 miles per hour. I mean, I was hustling. Like, my mom was wouldn't even go in the room after I had to spray it down with Febreze and open the <laughs> windows. She'd get mad at me. Um that though for me that was my breakup therapy my getting back in my life my everything i cannot physically i might be able to but it it would not be good to physically do that every day still no it's that's it's too not much on me it's too much on my 41 year old body to be honest um i would say now i probably run about 3 miles in the morning which isn't enough but i'm getting back into it i have a I have a goal, which is more than that, but, um, either way it's like, you know, so I was at a really great place with myself, but it wasn't feasible. I can't run that much every morning before I go to my full-time job and then come home and take care of my dog and give my husband actual, um, energy and have time. I can't do it. It's too much. And so I think what we're trying to do now is a healthy balance mentally, physically, and for our family. And in, and in my case, I, when we met prior to getting injured, I was working, I was working out six and seven days a week. You had two gym memberships. Yes. Yes, I did. Because there was a gym, there were both powerhouse gym memberships. One was five minutes from my house. And so on the weekends I would go there. And the other one was on my way home, halfway home from work. They had just opened it up and it was 10 bucks, 10 bucks a month for each one of them. So I was like, all right, 20 bucks a month, who cares? No big deal. And the one that was halfway home from work, I would drive there. And then by the time I got done working out, there was no traffic. And so my drive home from from there was even less than what it would have been for me to sit in traffic to get to the gym that was next to my house. Now, granted, the gym that was next to my house, I did that for a full year and a half before they opened up that other gym. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is that I had an outlet during that time now when we got together i moved to plymouth i stopped going so much obviously i wasn't going to the one in clarkson i kept going to the one in commerce for a little while but then the pandemic hit yeah when the pandemic hit you couldn't go anywhere 
And I did some stuff around the house a little bit, and then I, I got frustrated because my workout routine is weights. I, I get my cardio inside of my weights by mashing things up and doing two things back to back and, and getting my heart rate up that way. Like, that's just the way Super I, sets. like, I learned that kind of stuff. Also, I like doing a Stairmaster and we don't have one. Um, so there's those sort of things. But when we got our house, we bought weights and I think we've talked about, and, yeah. And that worked and that worked for a while, but sometime last year I got mentally frustrated I got exhausted. My body was tired. I was at that point, you know, four years worth of working out a lot and my body just needed to recover. I I think mentally and physically, I was exhausted to a point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I injured my wrist somehow. I don't know how. I still don't know why. Right now, my wrist is hurting. We're doing this podcast and my wrist hurts like crazy. It throbs almost every single day. I have no idea why. I've gone to multiple doctors, had EMGs, MRIs, all kinds of stuff. Never talked about it on the podcast, but like well over a year now of trying to figure out what's wrong with my wrist and why it hurts every day. And I got frustrated enough finally this week where I was like, screw it. Nobody can tell me what's wrong. I'm not waiting around forever. I'm going to get back to working out. I'm going to get back to doing what I need for my mental health because that is what's important more than anything because my wrist, the pain doesn't change when I work out. Like I don't have more pain this week because I worked out and granted when I woke up this morning, it hurt more than it's hurt in a while. My point is, is that mental health, I think like too- I needed it. Like you, we have one more appointment at the end of this month and we'll go from there on the, on the rest, you know, let you guys know what's going on. But you struggle a little bit more in the winter. A lot of people do, uh, you know, a lot of people do. Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. Yeah. I don't really, I love gray days. Gray days are like my jam. Like today it's kind of cloudy and it's going to rain and I'm like, oh yes. But our gym is set up in our Florida room, which is a three season room. It doesn't have air. It doesn't have heat. We just, you know, do our own thing. So when it yep. starts to get cold, we have to bring a lot of our stuff into the family room. And I think the yeah. combination of winter and not being in our gym with all of our stuff and just having some of our stuff in our family room was just a combination this year that just didn't fly. We moved everything in and never touched it. Not once. And we moved it all back out. And there's a couple of things we want to get for the gym. And he's sending me stuff. And I'm like, I'm not buying anything until I know we're in this again. I think this yeah. year will be different. I think this year we're going to actually do it. I think we both hit a motivate. We both hit like a mental health burst of motivation and I think after a week, we're both already doing better. And I think, like I said, doing it together, having that support, having that encouragement for me, like he talks about Anthony teaching him form. Thank you, Anthony, because sometimes I get so frustrated with him. I know he's telling me the right thing, but in the moment, I could just throw the dumbbell at his head. We'll uh, we'll tag Anthony yeah. this week in, in our posts. Um, Anthony is a cool guy, man. I I... I hit him up occasionally. We're, we're friends on Instagram and stuff because we don't live anywhere near each other now. Um, but I hit him up and I'm, I'm reaping like, I'm the like, benefits. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm always thankful for all the work you put in. I mean, I yes, I was paying him, but the dude cared. Yeah, the dude cared about me. I mean, you and you and, know. and and a thing that people don't understand is that when trainers are in a gym and everybody in the gym knows it's a trainer, they will go bother that trainer. And he was the type of guy that literally that somebody would come up to talk to him while he's working with me and he would be like, Hey, sorry, look, I'm, I'm with a client right now. You're going to have to wait. Yeah. Like this is, this person's paying for my time, you know? And, and he was always really cool about it, but he was that way with all, I, I would be there on a day where I'm not training with him and I would see somebody try to walk up to him and, you know, and I, on a day he's training with somebody else and I'm in there, I just wave to him and be like, Hey, what's up? I'm not going over there to bother him because I know how he would be. I just, I like, I like that you have this knowledge and you are a bit of a neurotic, so it's stuck. It's in there yep. like Gorilla Glue. It ain't going and, nowhere. And, and I, I can utilize that and I can do it in my own home and we can be in our weight room with Sophia running in and out her doggy door, still spending time with us, still laying next to us when we're doing stuff and we're still doing it. And I learned from Adam and Tara, I learned how to do supersets. I learned how to do some some new stuff that Anthony didn't teach me because Adam would send me a video. 
I learned a lot more of the lingo because it was mostly over text messages, and he would send me um, <laughs> SD, let's see, stiff-legged deadlifts. He would put that. SLDL. Yeah, he would put that, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he'd be like, stiff-legged deadlifts. And I'm like, oh, okay, I know what that is. But like, So I learned lingo from him. Um, and I learned, I learned how to put food together and, yeah. and do what kind of proper foods to do for meal prep I and love stuff. meal prepping. Like, that is like, like the Adam, best invention in the whole world. Adam changed my life with meal prepping. That yeah. is 100% true. Like I love him and it. him and Tara, they, they changed my mindset on how food works because when you're doing, when you're working out and stuff, uh, and, and how I was at that time, once I started meal prepping, food turned into a fuel for me. I didn't keep food in my house unless it was my meal prep. I yeah. had very, you know, I would have a couple cans of soup just in case I got sick or something like that. But that's another no, thing. No, you didn't have anything really. That's another thing. I didn't get sick a lot yeah. back then at all. I got bronchitis one winter and it messed with me working out for about two weeks and I was angry about it. And that's literally out of like the three years where I was working out hardcore, I got sick one time. Yeah. And that's crazy. Both I didn't, of us I didn't are... get so much as like laryngitis or nothing, man. I didn't get so much as a cough. Yeah. Because I was working out hardcore and my body was taking in all the nutrients from all the food. And uh, man, it, to, the best way to say it, I was banging on all cylinders. Yeah. So, so so we're back to, we're back to working yeah. out and we made it four days in a row. We took today off and uh, we'll be back to it tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, I would just encourage you all if you're struggling with your mental health or you're struggling with how you feel about yourself to you know talk to someone like we've talked about with mental health and seeing a therapist or actively put that somewhere else healthy. Meal prepping, working out, going for a walk, getting your steps in, getting your cardio in, you know, working out releases endorphins. You feel great. There's such a thing as a runner's high. Working out gives you that high. Like, yep. and being sore is a, I'm saying, yes, I'm sore, but it's a good sore. It's a, I know I am doing something for myself, for my benefit yep. sore. So yeah, absolutely. let us know if you guys have any similar journeys or if you have any mental health or fitness journeys and we'll keep you posted on ours. Yep. And now that we put it out there, we've got even more accountability. So yep. we got to keep doing it. Yep. So, and yeah. uh, uh, speaking of accountability and just doing it and being, uh, going out there and advocating for yourself, advocating for yourself. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I don't know why I just repeated what you said, but yes. Because it was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we give updates every week on this writer strike. They're up over 100 days on the writer strike as far as the writer striking. The actor strike, you know, they're a few months behind. They're not quite into that 100-day mark. But quite a few comments have come in this week from some bigger-name actors, and I find I find it interesting. Um, and, man, it's just, it's insane how this, this go, has gone on for so long unresolved, and... One of the guys I follow a lot is uh, Mark Bernardin. He's a writer, uh, and uh, he made a, He was asked a question. He's like, is there a foreseeable end to the strikes? And he said, absolutely. It has to end because the studios need shows for TV and movies for the screen. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going to need something at some point. They're going to need something from these people. Um, now, the, bi the big news that was this week was that Stephen Amell, the guy from Arrow, uh, who played Green Arrow in the Arrow TV series on CW that started that whole CW universe for DC with Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, all that stuff. He came out and said that he, he supports his union, but he thinks that strikes are basically stupid and a waste of time and the wrong way to go about things. I would, I would be curious for him to elaborate on what the right way is. That's, that's what's funny. And uh, because what's the right way then <laughs> in these David and Goliath stories? There is no other way. They've tried every other way. Yeah. So what would you like them to do, Stephen Amell? Yeah. Now I can't watch heels. So thank you. And part of his thing, part of his comments was, is that, you know, we have this new season of heels and I can't even go out and promote something that I love and something that I've spent time on and I can't promote it because we're in this battle now and it's affecting. You think you're the only one? And, and it's it's not that, but like. 
it, everybody it, feels that way. It goes back to the way we all look at it as humans. We always look at ourselves first. We don't look at everybody else. And that's the way I feel his comments are, is he's only looking at himself. Everyone feels that way. You think everybody doesn't have a show they want to produce? Look, Oppenheimer, Barbie, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, no, they had to walk off the red yeah, carpet. Yeah, so what do you think? Like, yep. bro, shut up. So Clark Gregg is a guy who's been a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was the star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played Agent Coulson in he, Avengers. He, I meant to tell you, he. <clears throat> uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about shows next week, but I just watched a show called Florida Man on Netflix, and he had like a rando offshoot storyline on that show, oh, really? and I kept meaning to tell you that was very funny. I like Car- Clark Gray. Yeah. I think he's fantastic, and uh, he's, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think his wife is... Uh, Jennifer Gray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Baby Francis Houseman. Yeah. (laughs) So he said, uh, you don't, (laughs) this is his direct quote about uh, why he's picketing. He's like, you don't get to turn me into megabytes of information that you can use whenever and however you would like. Yeah. Now to piggyback off of that, there is a, a, a background actor that has commented that was a part of WandaVision, the TV show, and that person said, which they're anonymous at this point, I think. Or no, background actor Alexandra uh, Rubelkaba. Oh, I told you this. I fear that AI is eventually going to weed out background actors. They won't have any for any of a, any use for us anymore because WandaVision actor reveals Marvel scanned dozens of extras for digital AI versions. But they didn't know that's what they were scanning them for crazy they said in the article i read that the actors were just like you know standing there doing their stuff and they were like turn your arms this way turn your arms that way they thought it was for shots or whatever but they were really scanning them i so like somebody like Stephen amell like i understand what you're saying nobody wants to strike but if you don't strike if you don't stop this you're gonna have nothing to promote you're gonna have no show to promote because they're not gonna need you that is that is an interesting thing because, man, yeah, they're not going to have anything to promote. We have to watch. There is, I guess, a Black Mirror episode that speaks to this AI and stuff that we're going to watch this week. Yes. And report back. Um, Kelly mentioned it to me a couple times, and there's something else we'll be talking about later that Kelly mentioned to me about a thousand times that I finally watched, and I don't want her wrath on another thing. So we're going to watch the Black <laughs> Mirror episode this week. So... Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the one with Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor first shows up, and you get a young uh, Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker. That's Annie. that that Annie. That movie had the first full CGI characters. Watto, the guy who owns Anakin Skywalker, the little character that flies like with the, his wings. Like he's blue. Is he blue? I don't remember if he's blue, but he's yeah. got like a, a like a small. Like yeah, that was straight snout. up CGI. Straight up CGI. Oh, I didn't know that. And that was 1999. Okay. But it wasn't a person. It was a... That's where I'm going. It was a made up species. That's where I'm going. That was a made up species. And now they want to fully scan humans just to have in the background so they don't have to pay for background it's actors. It's like making... They're going to... That is going to eliminate a large section of actors that will no longer have a job or have the ability to get work. And there's a lot of background actors that make them, good money. You would say, hey, that's Shelly in that background right there. But no, it's not. Shelly yep. works at Starbucks because she can't act anymore. If you they took her likeness. If you watch the movie The Dark Knight, there's a scene where Harvey Dent gives a, a press speech. They show the press reporters in the room. Two of those cuts show a friend of mine's daughter, front row and center. Her face takes up like half the screen. Okay. If they get what they want, those people will all be digital AI characters and won't be real. If they get what they want, that would be dude standing in front of a podium speaking to nobody. I just, I guess I don't see, it's just like with the economy. It's just like with wealth, everything. Is no one seeing the long term of what that's really going to do? Yeah, like, I, I don't. I, I don't think so. Simon Pegg, uh, I'll I'll end with this one. Uh, Simon Pegg had a had a quote, and he said, "The only thing AI can do is create mediocrity, because all it can do is aggregate what's out there." So yes, it, it can write a script, 
but it will be rubbish. AI has no childhood, childhood trauma, never had a boyfriend or girlfriend, never had its heart broken, never been through anything that would give the, uh, the impetus to create art. To rely on it would be to just make everything mediocre, and we would have to fight mediocrity in order to create great art. Yeah, I mean, he's right. Like, that is... It's true. That's the brass tacks. It, I don't understand how they can just swoop this in and people don't know. Like, who finally was like, hey, what is this sentence? And then they all freaked out about it. Like, if it was happening on WandaVision, that was Marvel's first first big show that came out with Marvel Disney. Yep. How, how did nobody know? Like, how are these studios so vile and so evil that they just do this? It's crazy. But, and like, it's just like human beings are just like a commodity. And that's why they're striking is because their contract is up and it has to be new terms yeah. because there's new information. And yeah. to not change, to get new information and not change is the definition of insanity. It's the same thing with everything in this country. The rich get richer and everybody else F them. But at the end of the day, you rich bastards need everybody else. Yep. yep. And will society have already been collapsed by the time that happens? I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Who knows? Was that a bad word? Ooh. Apologies if it was. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. So. All right. Moving on to a different entertainment. Different entertainment. Da-da, drum roll. I can't really. I don't really have a lot of rhythm, even though I was in a marching band. So last week, you, you made the statement of, you don't know who's got more albums, 311 or Zayo. Oh. I got the answer for everyone this week. Oh my gosh. Everyone get your pens and paper ready. Yeah, that's better. Mine was on a whiteboard and it was like, <laughs> I'm just so bad, bad. <laughs> 311's been around a little bit longer. They have 13 albums. Zayo has 11. They both have a lot of EPs. Pretty close, though, even though 311's been around longer. Yeah, they've just taken a little bit more time in between their albums. So, like, Zayo has has spread their albums out as well, but 311 had a lot of albums in the 90s, and then after they got out of the 90s, they have more time in between their albums. Gotcha. But, cool. yeah, 311 right. hits it up with, with uh, 13. How are album anniversaries looking this week? Album anniversaries, speaking of Zayo... <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> and you'll all notice 311 was last week. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on and limb and say 311 is going to be next week. I can look forward no, if you really want me to, to and, just... and spoil the fact that no. neither one are on next week. Not yet. Not yet. You found, you'll find something. I'll figure it out. But, uh, Zayo's favorite, my favorite album by Zayo is Liberate, Tex and Ferris, which for those of you that don't speak Latin, uh, says save yourself from hell. For those of you that don't speak Latin, you numbskulls. <laughs> Came out in 1999. It is a uh, 24-year anniversary. It's their fourth album, and it is their best album, in my opinion. They've had some great albums that have come out since then. It starts off with an instrumental song. The instrumental song goes into the next song that is also somewhat uh, instrumental to begin with. It it tells a story. Uh, it's a story-driven album. But uh, and it tells a story of of a lot of of pain and anguish and and destruction in a way. It's a fantastic album. I love it. Cool. But uh, I highly I highly recommend. They have a different sound. They're not like metal, where they're you know screaming and yelling really fast and uh, like a lot of notes and stuff like that. Their stuff is more thought out. The music is definitely more uh, has a more emotional base to it for sure. And uh, I I like I like it a lot. Uh, we have a, a band that I got into during the pandemic that I didn't really listen to prior to has two albums that are uh, anniversarying this week. Actually, two? Is it one? Oh, it's only one. Huh. Good thing I consult my notes, right? Yeah, good thing. Uh, an album called We Are Not Your Kind by Slipknot. Mm. And you want to talk about music to work out to. Yes, that I agree with that. Ooh. I've never listened to a lot of Slipknot, maybe like some radio stuff, but they are excellent for weights. Man. I love this album. Yeah. It is stuff. fantastic. Something tells me I'll be listening to that on one of my wait days this week. It's it's a good possibility because I really I really like Slipknot. They they get a bad rap with a lot of people for their wearing their masks and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff. But uh I really like them a lot. 
uh, Unsainted is a very good song. My favorite song on this album, though, is Red Flag. It is, cool. I mean, dr- the drums are so just, man, fantastic. Uh, we went to see Thrice a few weeks back. We went to see them tour for Artist in the Ambulance. The 20-year anniversary of Artist, Artist in the Ambulance is this week. I did like that album. That was good. Man, it's... And I could understand it. Yeah. A lot of it. And it was their turnaround album. They went from being a band where Dustin screamed a lot to he's going to scream, but he's going to sound like a rock star when he screams instead of sounding like a metal guy when he screams. It's kind of like another one of the albums on our album anniversary for this week, I believe. What's that? Where the band made a black album. The black album. Yes. By Metallica. That is yeah. on its 32nd year anniversary. 32 years that we've album had the Black Album. It's so amazing. It's funny because I listened to it this week. I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And I scanned the track list and I was like, oh, I know a bunch of these. And no, I know all of them. Yes. I was like listening to it and I'm like, I know every song in this album. I cannot believe it. I totally forgot. I haven't listened to it in forever. Gosh, what an awesome album. Yep. Yep. If Dang. you if you listen to that album, it, it I, I highly recommend uh, trying to find the behind the music they did on it for VH1 a long time ago. They, man, they fought each other in the studio. They fought with the producer in the studio. Like they argued, like they threw stuff at each other. Like they got, they were so mad during the making of this album because they were not this type of band and their producer pushed them. It was like, you can do more. You guys are so talented. You can do more. It doesn't have to sound like the same thing over and over again. You can do this. You can do that. And just push them to a new level in which like when they look back on it and they talk about it, they're like, man, it was so hard, but it's like trying to make, you know, trying to make diamonds. It's an amazing album. And so was our other like we had two of the older albums on a previous album anniversary and although they don't sound anything like the black album they're good albums yeah yeah but the black album was just that's stellar that's start oh, to finish i remember seeing excellent the, i remember seeing the music video for inner sandman and my mom getting mad about it i believe that yeah my mom didn't like it clutching her pearls <laughs> yeah oh my gosh like it's so like this is sacrilegious yeah. and all this kind of stuff oh, i was funny but yeah good stuff uh let's see we have on here, uh, since we're in the 90s, let's uh, let's stay in the 90s for the same uh, year in 1991, another 32-year anniversary. Brooks and Dunn, brand new man. Mm, yeah. Brooks and Dunn Honky changed country. country. They changed country yeah. music. That's yeah. the boot scoot and boogie. Oh, yeah. They made a full genre inside of country yep. music of honky-tonk. Yep. At least, if they didn't make it, they made it popular. I saw them in concert once. Um, I went to see Kenny Chesney once, who was just horrid. And Brooks and Dunn <laughs> was the last opener before him, which blows my mind. That's hilarious. Because they were amazing. They had fireworks and streamers and all this stuff. And then Kenny Chesney comes out looking like a fool. But Brooks and Dunn were straight up amazing. That's another thing. They were in a time in which you had Kenny Chesney... Garth Brooks, George Strait, you had people that were singles act by themselves yeah. and here these two guys come out and go, ah, we're going to hitch our wagons together because we yeah. can do this. And they're two very talented guys. Yep. And they hitched their wagons together and became what are, could be arguably said is the best duo in our modern time of country music in the last 40 years probably. Yeah. Like I don't think there's anybody that that did country music as well as they did it as a duo. Yeah. Like, it's it's been a long time. Yeah, they're great. They're fun. But yeah, 32 years, man. Uh, going back a little bit further than that, let's go to... Uh, wait, do we want to go back? For, we're going to hold off on that one. We're going to pause. We're going to hold that one. Let's go to an, uh, one of the albums that I had you listen to this week, Schaefer. Yeah. Something Worth Fighting For, which is a story-driven album. It's 16 years old. They're a band from Michigan. Mm, okay. Did you, did you Were you able to listen to it this yes, week? Yes, I did listen to it. Um, it was good. It's definitely a 2000s vibe. Yep. What year's album again? 2012? 2007. Seven. Yeah, it's 2000. There is a sound in the in the decade of 2000 that it, I just, there. It, it's just like, I'll listen to something and I'll say to you, oh, it sounds like the 2000s. Like, it's just, there is a sound. The voice made a sound there that <laughs> it never made before or after. Yeah. And this is a 2000 album. It also, if you guys are familiar with the band Switchfoot, it yeah. had some sound that reminded me of Switchfoot. Now, were the 
are they a Christian band? Schaefer? They are. They Christ- are. They I are Christians of- that were in a band. I don't know that their band was okay. necessarily called. There was like a, a song band. or two that I was I picked up on a lyric, but yeah, it it was good. Yeah, it's I a, liked it. It's a story driven album. The first song is about uh, a couple in which they they're having a conversation and one leaves upset and in the second song they get back on the phone and they're arguing and there's a car accident yeah and it's and it goes from there and it tells the story and it's a fantastic story yeah it's it, pretty good. it's an emotionally driven album but it's also got that alternative sound to it yeah. so it's it's really good i like them but yeah they're from i believe they're from you said royal oak i, I thought i think it's rochester hills oh, or rochester royal oak hills. like they're from that area sterling heights or from that that area, that surrounding area but yeah how many more do we got here oh uh, we got a few let's uh well we're not going to hit them all cuz okay. we we're, we're running out of time yeah, this we week are, but actually. i want to hit uh two last ones one is uh, Norma Jean's newest album came out a year ago, Death Rattle Song for Me, and or Death Rattle, sorry, Death Rattle Sing for Me. And this album took me a long time to get into. It came out at the same time as a bunch of other albums that I, a bunch of other bands that I really like, and I love Norma Jean, but this album was so different. They did something different with this album. They tried to... They, they didn't try to. They evolved in what their sound of metal is, and they added more things and more sounds to it. And, man, I can't recommend it enough. Like, just, if you like if you like heavy music, give this album a chance. Listen to it a couple times, and then start to see what's on underneath it, because it's more than what's on the surface. It's very good. And then the final album is celebrating its 52nd year anniversary. Wow. The fifth album... By the Who, who's next? I like the Who. This is the uh, for those of you who may not know who the Who is, but you know what CSI Miami is. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> Bob O'Reilly. Yeah. The uh, song from there. So yeah, that that album is fifty-two years old, and it came after Tommy. Tommy came a couple years before that, but man, what a great album! Like these guys over 50 years and this album is still extremely relevant extremely good great sound like i don't know i don't know it's just it tr- it'll transpose you back yeah to the 70s takes you back into a sound that doesn't exist anymore in our nope. society there's nobody that makes music like this there's nobody that can sound like this and has this it's a shame yeah it really is it's it's just a sound that's completely gone but yeah if you have not listened to who's next what rock are you living under over the last 52 years get get in there and listen to it it yep. is fantastic stuff fantastic guitars drums bass songwriting it's good stuff cool yep that's our album anniversaries for this week cool so what else we got we yesterday Oof. was wwe summer slam yep. so we had my family over yesterday yeah. To watch the show that went to midnight, Whew. even though I had thought it was going to go to 11. It went after midnight. And mind you, I worked out yesterday morning too. <laughs> so I was like, I felt like I was the walking dead at like 1030. Yeah, they were at Ford Field in Detroit and over 50... 59, over 59,000. It yeah. was like 59,861 or something. Yeah, so a lot of people lot of people too many there. people I was thinking I was looking at that number and I was thinking oh my gosh that's a lot of people like it remember that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that takes place in a hockey at a hockey game where something <laughs> happens and they're all like stuck in there and his son goes missing and he has to Jean-Claude oh. Van Damme it all um and I was thinking about like how just terrifying and just a mind f it would be to be stuck in one of those stadiums with like fifty nine thousand people. Oh my gosh, I have got to know now. What... Yeah, what was that movie called? Like under the or I don't know, but his son. I can picture his son in his hockey jersey. Like, man, what was that? I don't know. That's I, I'll look it me. up. You keep going with WWE because this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I just thought of no, it. No, it's totally fine. So they started out the show with uh, Ricochet and Logan Paul. I, Logan Paul, fantastic in the ring. This dude has adapted to being a WWE superstar. He's got the nuances. He knows. He's learning. He's picking it up like a sponge, man, and it is fantastic. And him and Ricochet had a great match. Very, uh, very athletic uh, out, of, out of both guys. But, yeah, Logan Paul killing it. 
and uh, very, very sudden death. Sudden death. I knew death was in the title. I just couldn't place where it was in the title. Um, but yeah, Ricochet, Logan Paul, very good match. Uh, I very entertaining for sure. Uh, they had the SummerSlam Battle Royal, which had 25 superstars in it. And the superstar that is rising from the ashes of what Vince McMahon thought he was going to be just a manager at 40 years old. This dude yeah. is ki- <laughs> Dude's killing it, L.A. Knight. Yeah. And uh, one of our friends, Tony, was at the show. He got a last minute. One of his buddies got him a free ticket to go. And he said at that point that he had the biggest pop of the night. Like one of the biggest pops. He said he saw they more <laughs> more T-shirts for L.A. Knight than anybody else. And uh, his, his the font of his L.A. Knight also reminds me of like L.A. Gear yeah. from back in the day. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah he is killing it. He's love cool. it. Love it, man. The crowd loves him. And I mean, I turned up the volume yesterday. I was got to hear. I was like, we all know he's about to win. Like it's got to happen. So I'm turning up the volume. I want to hear that pop when his music hits. And man, it was great. Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar. Talking about somebody that's absolutely has the most amazing mind for the business, Brock Lesnar. I find Brock Lesnar mesmerizing. I don't know if I'm in love with him or if I'm scared of him. I'm not really sure where it is, but I just, he is just like cool. Like I want to go and hang out and just saddle up to the bar and grab a brewski with Brock and his little braid and just, what's up, Brock? (laughs) What's, What's it like to be Brock? Give me some like, you know. Yeah. Teach me a teach me a move. He F five me. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he has a brilliant mind. He for the business. is also has charisma. When he kicks out that little smile, yeah. When he he like literally picked up Cody, not even a move as you said last night, and threw him like a sack of potatoes, and then he like looked back and like kind of head nod smile i was like oh my am i blushing like what is happening right now yeah like he picked him up like i don't know man he just picked him up and chucked him over his own shoulder like he was just nothing. like he yeah man like he's a bale of hay or something yeah which i mean brock lesnar's a farmer so i mean that to- like that reference makes sense but yeah he's just so good like his ability to sell his ability to make his opponents look amazing mm-hmm. his opponent his ability to make his opponents look like they they have been brutalized yeah so good like I mean, you can say what you want but cody was feeling it yeah and cody felt it today and there's a moment at the end of that match after cody won where brock you know took his gloves off and walked to the center of the ring and shook his hand and then turned around and raised his hand and you know and you know, did the turn yeah. every side of the ring to raise his hand, and then he walked out. And they showed Cody Rhodes's face when Brock Lesnar got out, and Cody Rhodes had that face of like, "Oh wow, I, I just made Brock a fan." Consummate professional. I'm Absolutely. not a Cody fan. Cody's like to me, not a fan. I would have liked to have seen um, Brock rip him in half and toss one side on one side <laughs> and one on the other, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, oh. that's just me. I get irrationally. Just hate for people. <laughs> so, yeah. So, very interesting there. Uh, there was a match with uh, Intercontinental Champion Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. You want to talk about physical, man. Those yeah. two guys are feeling it they're, today, too. They're both beasts. They are They are bruised up. Yeah. They beat the crap out of each other with the stuff they did yesterday. And they're not, like, high spot, high flying guys. They are, like, brawling guys. They're brawling they're, pro wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, like they're... they're Giving they're each not, other's chops and they're not wrestling entertainment. They're professional wrestlers. Yeah, they they entertaining, but they rest in, wrestle in what's called a British strong style. Yeah, so it's very stiff. Uh, looks very very realistic. Yeah, and a lot of it is because you will see bruises and blood start to form on their on their chest. Yeah. Uh, they man they they really go and and Gunther retained which. He's on a run right now. Yeah. He's he's had the title for over 400 days. It's something. Uh, there was the Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey match under MMA rules, yeah. which meant the only way to win was to knock out your opponent or submit. And this, I felt like this match did not get enough time in in preparation get leading up to I, SummerSlam. I don't even think like, the, I felt like the turn of Shayna happened two days ago. Yeah. Like I felt like it, it was rushed, so... 
maybe what's her face is I think Rhonda's leaving yeah. and 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 that's unfortunate because they really should get a good 3 or 4 month program out of this. They they should give it more legs cuz I feel like Shayna won the match and it was a good match and they put a lot into like the small amount yeah. of time they had and they made it work and their promos packages that they had for the match were great but I don't know that Shayna is going to be able to maximize everything coming out of this with it being such a short program for somebody, for a star like Ronda Rousey that's a household name. Yeah. I don't feel like Shayna is going to benefit as much as what she could have if it was a longer program. So yeah. I'm I'm actually hoping that Ronda comes back and it goes into a longer program because it'll benefit Shayna more. But man, Shayna's a badass. I, I, I like Shayna a lot. I've liked her since her NXT days. She's great. Uh, speaking of other ladies, we had Oscar Bianca and uh, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, her she, ugh, I feel like she's done. I, just for me, I she does nothing for me. She's so freaking stale. She is like she's staler than a saltine cracker, man. No, she is just she is and like boring. I just, nothing for me. Does nothing. I mean, she's great in the ring, but her character is just stale as can be. Bianca. She's one of the the best ladies to ever wrestle. Like, she has more talent than than most women in the business have in their their whole body. She's got more talent in her finger. Like, she's amazing, but her character is stale. She does the same things over and over again. Yep. Um, It was her, Bianca, and... And Asuka. Asuka, the defending champ, which... You know, they did the old switcheroo with, with a triple threat match where somebody does their finish and, and then they yeah. get thrown out of the ring and then Bianca gets the pin on Asuka. And did we talk about the Finn match yet? Finn. Uh no, we haven't. So, and actually I miss I misspoke. Uh Bianca did not pin Asuka, she pinned Charlotte. She jumped off the top rope and did a, a yeah. flip onto her. She did pin Charlotte and so, pin Charlotte. But then Yeah, what this is what I didn't say, like the money in the bank thing. So during the Finn match, Finn and um, Seth Rollins, everyone kept saying, "Is are they going to cash in? Are they going to cash in?" Never once did we ever even mention or think about the female catch cashing in on her money in the bank. Yeah, and that was EO Sky. Yeah, and EO Sky came out as she soon was, as Bianca won, and that which, was a match. Like Bianca was injured too. Yeah, she hurt her knee. Yep, sell so, you know selling a knee injury, and then. EO's music hit, which I'm going to say right now, my favorite music favorite music next to LA Knight's music is EO Sky. Yeah, 100%. EO Sky has the best, what, like, man, her music's amazing. When it hits, you're just like, oh, something's going down. Yeah. And she came out running with that briefcase and cashed it in and did her did her uh, moonsault off the type, yeah. top rope. They call her the genius of the sky for a reason because it looks amazing yeah. when she does it. Pender one two three and won it, and yep. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that was so great. cool!" Which Tony said, uh, being there live, he said it was an enormous pop when her yeah. music hit. Like he said, it was. I love her. Hair music. stood up on your arms, like he yeah. said, "Oh my gosh, we're about to see something awesome." So yeah, so that happened, and that was very cool. You mentioned Seth and Finn; these two guys, there is nobody in the business that has matches consistently on a consistent basis that are amazing like Seth Rollins. Tight. That, that, He's tight. That like, dude does not have a bad match. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Doesn't matter if it's on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-view. He never has a bad match. And Finn is a tight wrestler. Finn, that Finn and Adam Cole match I always go back to because when I got with this one and <laughs> wrestling had to come into my life again, I remember watching that match and being like, finally, actual wrestling, not just jumping off the ropes and grabbing tables and doing this and under the belt this, but like tight, snug wrestling. Yeah, and and Finn is that way. Yep. Finn doesn't have bad matches either. It's yep. just Seth's been around longer on in the WWE than Finn has been. Yep. But. Man, I, I thought Finn was going to win yesterday. Yeah. I legit thought he was going to win. I thought it was his time. He's he has worked so hard to be there, and I felt like they were gonna they were gonna move the title over to him, and they didn't. And, and you see what they're doing, though. Yeah, I mean they're 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 putting a divide between him and Damian Priest in the Judgment Day yeah. because there was more more stuff that happened that they're going to blame one another on Raw Monday night when it when it comes down so to So that's going to be a feud right there. Yeah, that's that's where they're headed. And and Seth won, but man the match was great. It was. The whole thing was great. Like And that was the second to last match, right? Yep. And then we had Roman Colgate Commercial Reigns versus main event Jey Uso in a tribal combat for the undisputed WWE championship. Yeah. 
this match, anything goes. I still don't know what's going on with that. I mean, I will admit, we were closing in on almost midnight, so this gal was up like a little kitchen mouse screen in there getting everything cleaned up so she could go to bed immediately upon end of show. But I still watched most of it, and the ending, I still don't know where they're going or what's going on with that. I don't know what they're doing because Jimmy Jimmy and Jay turned on the uh, on Roman, uh, I don't know, a month ago. Roman, and then yeah. And then Roman and Solo took Jimmy out of the picture entirely. So he hasn't been there for three weeks. So they've been selling this, Jay's going to take out Roman now because you took out my brother. And then Jimmy comes in and costs Jay the match. Yeah. So what are they doing? I don't know. I've... At first glance, I I admit, I woke up this morning and I thought to myself, that was lazy. I guess I just don't know at why. First, at first glance, like, why? Are, what are we doing? Like, Jimmy, Jimmy and Jay turned on Roman a month ago, and now we're at a spot where Jimmy gets taken completely out of the picture, and then when he comes back, he turns on his brother Jay, of which... They're the ones that started this. So why do we have, why do we have Jimmy now rejoining? Ro- it, like, I'm sure they're going to make it make sense. This thing has been very entertaining. This yeah. whole story for three years. But at first glance, I looked at it and I was like, they could have done something else. Now, granted, I I may not have that view by Friday when they come to SmackDown and they give me some more information. But right now, at first glance, I'm like, man, I wanted something else. I didn't want Jimmy to turn on Jay. Like, yeah. that's not. Granted, if they put those two in a match, they're going to have an absolute banger of a match. They're going to blow the roof off. Those two guys are great. We've never seen them wrestle. They're brothers. There's that whole thing. They did it back in the 90s with Owen Hart and Bret Hart. Yeah. And it was, you know, they did it two times, and it was fantastic both times. But my thing was, is like, I wanted something new. Yeah. I, I wanted like a new player in the game, a new person introduced. Like I, I just something. don't see any reasoning to why that happened. I don't know either. So I guess you'll be watching Raw tomorrow. Uh, I mean, I'll watch it in bed. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't watch anything live, unfortunately, unless it's on Wednesday. Watching Dynamite. That's the only yep. thing I really watch live. Uh, none. None of WWE stuff do I watch live. Even NXT, I don't watch until it's over. So, I know that you just gave me the sign for no movies, but we're talking annihilation. Let's right. talk we annihilation. Can talk one. We one movie. We need to. I need to rein you in better. <laughs> yeah. So Good we luck with that. we were planning to do movies today. Um, which we don't really have time to, but we are going to talk one movie. Kelly, this is for you. Yeah. Annihilation. Annihilation. Kelly has been asking me to watch Annihilation for, I don't know, it feels like six months. She even sent me a voice text, like a voice memo text that was like, hey, have you watched this yet? (laughs) Um, So last week was my movie pick or a couple weeks ago, and I picked Annihilation. I will say it was a very cool movie. It was a very different concept. It's definitely like sci-fi. It's about a group of, um, it's about like, uh, I guess maybe like a meteor or something that hits in like by a like lighthouse wilderness area. And it has like a shimmer that starts to slowly gain control of land. And the government is studying it and trying to figure out what is this? Is it an alien life form? Is it whatever? And a group of female scientists go in to explore it. And it's like what happens to them while they're in there. Yeah. And it's like their story. It is very cool if you guys haven't watched it. It's it's odd to say that sort of like the shimmer life form that's trying to take over the world is beautiful and kind. Yeah. I don't. It, it, it is strange. It's weird because it's not a bad thing, but it's almost a reflection of us as people. Yeah. And I think that's like an overarching narrative of it. It stars Natalie Portman. Tessa Thompson is in it. Um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yep. Benedict Wong. Um, oh, gosh. The Oscar girl, Isaac. The girl from um, uh, Ramirez or uh, what's her name? Uh, let's see. I'm looking uh, uh Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez, yes. Yep. So yeah, and like he said, Oscar Isaac. It's a very good movie. Um and I really appreciated the female cast. Like the female part was like the big part of the movie. Um I I recommend it. It's very good. It's definitely like a sci fi. It's kind of like a mind bender. It's sort of like you know, with those movies you don't get the perfect happy ending. You get like that interpret what's going on, but like in a good way. Yeah. The thing for me, 
so Benedict Wong, his part is is, oh, yeah. is small. Yeah, he's he's in pieces and of the movie because it's not on a linear time frame. It's it's yeah, it's told yeah yeah, it's told back and forth between two different times. But I, I like Benedict Wong. I, I I the more I see him, the more I like him. I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, uh, seeing him uh, play Wong. In, in Marvel has been fantastic, but I like seeing him in other things. Oscar Isaac, I think, is extremely underrated. Yeah, he's a fantastic. This actor. dude, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I'd have to uh, uh, talk to Jess more about it outside of the podcast to get no information. But I don't know if he did some uh, Days of Our Lives or no. something like that. But he's got that kind of acting to him in which he can roll a tear in a second. Yeah, this dude's awesome. He's he is a very powerful screen presence. Yeah, but she mentioned the ladies. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic cast. Yeah. Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee. The chemistry between them on screen is amazing. Yeah. The chemistry between Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac was fantastic because yes. they play a, a married couple. But like their chemistry on screen was was so good. And yeah. there was a bit of vulnerability there, which yep. I, I liked. Um, I wish I could have seen this on a bigger screen. I think yeah. visually some of the stuff they did inside the shimmer would have been really cool. I agree. I I. I Think it was so pretty. Alex Garland was a director and writer, and uh, fantastic job. It's based visually off, stunning. It's based off a three book series, and this is book one. And I am interested to read the books. I'm interested as to whether or not. I guess I don't know. It came out in 2018, so probably not going to get a sequel at this yeah. point. Now that we're in 23, but you never know. And you, I could see not getting one. I'm curious to read the books because I'm curious what else the story is because I feel like this movie was a full story yeah i feel like they closed it up at least so yeah yeah so once again uh, natalie Port- natalie portman starring in a movie and killing it yeah. she has that man she's fantastic she in a lead role and uh I, I i've always liked her but um yeah good stuff so we did have more movies to talk about we ran out of time so next week may be sort of a blockbuster movie episode because y'all we did it we fell into Barbenheimer. We sure did. So next week, we will be talking Barbenheimer. So be sure to use this week to watch them if you haven't, because we will be giving we will be breaking it down and talking about a lot of stuff. So if you haven't watched those movies, I would not tune into that segment of the podcast. We'll let everybody know. We'll put that in our last yeah. segment. But yeah, you've got a week yeah, to watch sure. them because be, we, yeah. we are going to spoil them, beginnings, endings, middles, all of it. Yes. But yeah, it will probably be in our last section. So just so you guys know. Yep. Yeah. I believe. Uh, where can they find us? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, WordPress. Tell your friends. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Tell us about your working out. You've got a movie for us to watch. It might take us a few weeks, but we'll do it. Yeah. Give um, us some movie suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Throw those out please there. Do, Send them to please us. Please do. I believe yeah. that's all we can say this week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>